you losers. You trash, Bills. Good morning and welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. And we're looking at Michael, who has shaved his face clean. It's very, very disturbing. He's just told us that he had a Fu Manchu for Halloween, and he shaved it off. So we're a little pissed off at him that he didn't keep this. All of us and the babyface Mike Herndon are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We have podcasts. We have articles. We have a clean-shaven Michael Herndon. You can come check us all out at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We would love to have you there. Um and before we get into the Titans and their terrible, terrible defensive issues and all of the things that we are going to bitch about this morning, Zach would like to talk to you about your package. Well, before I get to talking about how to take care of your package, I do want to say that today is election day. So if you have not got out and vote, it's a very important election because it's, it's going to determine, of course, like every election the next four years. But you need to get out and vote. Go rock the vote. Do they still do that? Rocking the vote? Oh, yeah. Is that still MTV? That That is a thing. Uh, so go out there. Go out and vote if you haven't. Your vote does matter, especially for local elections and stuff on the ballot for that kind of stuff. So get out there today and vote. But speaking of bad haircuts, have you ever had a bad haircut? I have. My granddad took me to a barber shop, and they basically essentially put a bowl on my head. I came home with the world's shortest and worst bowl cut. Now, because of this, I had to shave my head, buzz it, because it looks so bad. And I don't know, not many people may not know what I look like, but basically at that age, I kind of look like a naked mole rat at, at, and all that. If you don't want a bad haircut like me or like Trump, it is time for you to go to manscaped.com and get the lawnmower 3.0. Support for Football and other F-words is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. You don't want to look like a naked mole rat down there. So Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched in the UK, talked about last week, London Titan, if you're listening. You can get in on this right here. That's Let me tell you something. Manscaped has redesigned a little electric trimmer. Engineering teams have perfected the greatest... Ball hair trimmer ever, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those little nicks and pulls tugging on your balls. When I tell you, listen, when I tell you something is premium, it's fucking premium. This is a premium product. Listen to this. If you want to take your time, Battery will last up to 90 minutes. If you don't want to, if you want to go shave a sheep, maybe a cat, your neighbor's cat, maybe a dog. I don't know. You got 90 minutes of battery life. So after you shave your balls, go shave something else. I don't care. They don't care. It works. This and it's also waterproof, 100 percent And you can shave in the dark. And it's got a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Really don't know what that means. I guess it's just really quiet and really fast, or maybe, you know, it's, you know, quiet stroke. Do with that what you will. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient 
and it could be powered by USB. You could plug after you shave your balls, you could plug it right into your laptop. That's not gross to have something near your laptop that was just touching your balls and pubic hair flying everywhere in your face. It's awesome. You could charge it right on your laptop, charge it in the car. You could shave anywhere there's USB port. Air or airports done. Bathrooms done. USB ports are everywhere. You can shave anywhere. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Let's get that bush to tush clean. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BroadwayTN at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BroadwayTN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. I'm going to say it three times. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use BroadwayTN. Your balls and we will thank you. I still can't look him in the eyes. I can't, can't, I can't either. Look, I can't look him in the eyes while, while now, he listen, does that. Now, Mike all last week looked me dead in the eyes. All last week. And it was just me and him. So I don't know why he's trying to act like, oh, I can't look him in the, the eyes. I've, I've seen him do it. I regretted it. I regretted it. Never the again. Magic is gone. <laughs> <laughs> the magic is gone. I'm just going to say this. If it, if it takes you 90 minutes to trim your nethers, I'd maybe go to the doctor. <laughs> Now let me now let me ask you this: Did you use did you use your ball trimmer on your face, Mike? I did not. No, I'm not a savage. Come on, there are separate tools. Those are separate tools. One hundred percent. Ball to face? No, face you never shaver? go ball to face. Now you can, you can if you shave your face. If you've been using it to shave your face for a while and you want to make it a ball razor, you can, you can. But you never, you never go, go the other way. No, it never. Once, it's like uh, you know, it's you never go ass to mouth you never go nuts to face there's no there's no north to south once once you have been south with the razor it's going the only other direction is in the trash can we're moving on my god i I just sat there for literally about a half second looking at the two of you all on camera thinking why why are we here why are we here much much like how i feel about this titan's loss why are we here (laughs) how did the titans end up losing 20 to 31 against the Bengals when the Bengals did not have a starting lineup for their fucking O-line. I I literally posted a picture of their O-line after this Michael Jordan, who I'd never heard of on their O-line was now declared out, which meant that they did not have a a starting five from their, you know, first game of the season at O-line and put a picture of them in our group chat and said, this Titans team is going to feast today. I'm glad I, I didn't bet, find a way to bet on the O-line because I would have bet money and lost on that like I did everything else on Sunday. What a disaster that the Titans were not able to get a sack. And I'm going to start there. How in the world did the Titans team not get a sack? How did they not get more pressure out of this garbage O-line that the Bengals lined up? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I, the Landry and Clowney and even Beasley, frankly, are too talented to, to not – be doing more than what they are right now. Uh, so Jeffrey Simmons too. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, you didn't hear a peep out of him all game, which is the first game all season that we've had that happen. Um, and, and of all the games to see that happen, it's against the Bengals in, in an XFL level offensive line. I, I just, there is nothing about this game that makes any sense to me from the standpoint of why the Titans couldn't beat the Bengals shitty offensive line. I it, nothing. Nothing about that makes any sense um, besides just, I mean, Beasley is a, a lost cause at this point. I mean, write him off. Like you can't save any money by cutting him. So there's no point in cutting him. but 
expecting him to do anything for you for the rest of the season is is a waste of time. It's the most maddening thing I think I've ever experienced because I'm watching this game and I see, well, we're maybe they're just lazy. Why aren't they getting there? Where's Jeffrey Simmons? Where, what about this? Is it the pass rush or is it the coverage? Is it Jonathan Joseph allowing all these catches or is it because that we have a different scheme? Is this a coaching issue? What's the communication issue? Why is Kevin Byard not doing anything? And why is Jane Brown doing this and Rashawn Evans not doing that? That is my mind whenever this defense is on the field. It is calamity and chaos because you don't know what the fuck is going on with this team. What is going on with this defense? And no one has the answers because everything is so tied to something to something else. You could say, well, the pass rush sucks. We need better pass rush. Well, you know, we also need coverage to allow the pass rush to get there. But we need to have better coverage. We need the pass rush to, get to pressure the quarterback, and they can't pressure the quarterback and give him – they keep giving him throwing lanes. Why is Kevin Byer not doing anything? And he complains about communication and coordination and all this stuff and – uh, and says it's a top-down issue. Well, if it's top-down issue, then that goes back to the staff. Well, the staff doesn't, you know, they call the plays, but they can't make the players do their fucking jobs, and they have to call plays with the players on the, you know, with the personnel in mind. They can't call press coverage with Jonathan Joseph on T. Higgins. And then why is Malcolm Butler on A.J. Green? It's, it's, it's the worst defensive performance that we've had this year, in my opinion, and it's the worst defensive performance that we've seen here in a long time, probably dating back to Jerry Gray or Chuck Cecil, because we have all the talent in the world. We have everything, everybody, everything that everybody wanted. Uh, I mean, well, all the talent in the world, finish. except you're starting Jonathan Joseph in a seventh well, round pick me, in the secondary. Let me finish here, because, I mean, everybody says that we, we need better pass rush. Well, we have the talent at pass rush. Yes. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you would have told me <laughs> that we're facing the Bengals without five offensive linemen at the beginning of the year, five offensive linemen, none of their offensive linemen, this was an automatic W, by the way, before the season even started. Before we had Jadavian Clowney. I mean, and now they have no offensive linemen. Jadavian Clowney, Vic Beasley, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro, Jeffrey Simmons, Daquan Jones, uh, Harold Landry. If Nine players right there with a healthy Malcolm Butler. And you said, hey, we're not going to have a Dory this game. I would said, okay, that's fine. We're still going to get a ton of sacks because they don't have any of their offensive linemen. But we don't. It's a fucking disgrace. This game is a disgrace. We have they have to they have to get Adori back out in this field. And apparently, if he he either has to go back on IR for three more weeks if they don't activate him soon. I don't know when his first practice was, but I know they have 21 days from his first practice. So it's a mess. I'm sick of it. I, I think it's it started in the offseason, and it drives me literally insane because everybody's right and everybody's wrong simultaneously about this defense. Like, well, everybody's and- right that the pass rush sucks, but it's not just the pass rush, and then it just goes in a circle. It's a time loop. I'm stuck in a fucking loop. Well, and if nothing else, what I, what I expected, if nothing else, to get out of this game, especially leading right into where we knew the O-line was going to be complete mega trash at the beginning of the game, was – if the pass rush could get some pressure and have a good time up front, at least, at least it would kind of mask 
the issues in the secondary and, and help out the secondary a little bit. Right. And as a fan, right. It would be a placebo. It just make me feel better. Like mommy and daddy aren't getting back together, but they're getting along today and nobody's throwing furniture. So that didn't happen. Furniture was being thrown. Nobody got taken to get ice cream. It, I'm, I feel like I'm going to get in my childhood. Um, so, but I do want to say this about Vic Beasley and I'm going to go off for a second because I want to be the guy that said, I told you so. I said this in the beginning of the offseason, the Vic Beasley, it was a problem. The Falcons came out and said on Twitter publicly, we are not going to negotiate with this guy. Teams don't do that with a free agent. They don't do that. So the problems were obviously there. This guy didn't show up. He still hasn't shown up at the Titans, even though he technically showed up to the facility. What a joke. And that's such a disappointing just outcome for this man right now maybe he turns it around and gets a couple of sacks the season but right now exactly like mike said you just write the guy off but so mike I'll, I'll throw it back at you to start this is it staff is it field personnel is it both if, if you had to pick one of those items or, or any item in particular to point at do you do you think, feel like you could point at something in particular I mean, I think it's an all of the above situation for sure. I mean, it, it is not, there's one problem and once you fix it, everything falls into place and this is a, you know, a great defense, but frankly, the Titans don't have to have a great defense. They have to have a passable defense. The offense is good enough that if you have a mediocre defense, even, or a slightly above average defense, then this team is really, really good. The problem is you just can't be terrible on defense consistently week in and week out and expect the offense to carry you every single week. The offense cannot have the standard of they have to play perfect week in and week out for this team to win football games. And that's what's happening right now because the special teams is also a disaster uh, the last two weeks, which means that the offense is the only functional phase of the game that the Titans have right now. Um, but for the defense, I think we should go back and say we should have seen this coming a little bit more, right? They lose Dean Pease, who retires. They lose Kerry Combs, who goes to Ohio State uh, to become the defensive coordinator. They lose uh, Tyrone McKenzie, and it sounds like, you know, he was probably invited to leave, but still that's that's more turnover right there. They put play-calling duties on Shane Bowen's plate, so they, they kind of loaded up a guy who had only been a – position coach for two years in the NFL um, and now he's got all these additional responsibilities so you've affected basically every position on the defense besides the defensive line where Terrell Williams has remained the position coach and and you know they had less turnover there but they did lose Jarrell Casey um, so there was a lot of change happening this has been a weird offseason then you have the fact that Clowney and Beasley didn't even participate in training camp basically we should have seen some of this coming. And then when a Dory Jackson goes down, you lose your top corner and you're playing Malcolm Butler and a bunch of either nursing home patients and Jonathan Joseph or, you know, rookies on the other end of the scale who have barely gotten any work in because they didn't get rookie OTAs. They didn't get, uh, you know, summer workouts with the team. They didn't get anything. They just got thrown into the fire. Um, so, we should have seen some of this coming and and that does give me some hope that maybe it gets better as the season goes on, just because these guys get to work and kind of like work their way into form. But we are now eight weeks in seven games in, and 
it's not showing any signs of getting better. And I think that's why you ultimately saw John Robinson go out and make the move for Desmond King, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. But I think the biggest problem of all of the problems, which there are many coaching, uh, pass rush, runs, run fits, linebackers playing like shit, Kevin Byard not making plays, all the, all the problems. I think the biggest one was the fact that they cannot cover anybody and they're playing a seventh round pick in Chris Jackson, who is, you know, six games into his NFL career basically, and is being asked to play all the time. Uh, and Jonathan Joseph, who is 36 years old and cannot run anymore. And, and Jonathan Joseph, I mean, he plays off of receivers because he doesn't want to get beat deep. So it's like, do you get beat deep and give up a, a 70 yard touchdown or do you give up 10 seven yard passes that end up in a touchdown? So, I mean, he's choosing the seven yard passes right now. It's the same result. It's just slower. Um, and you hope maybe they make a mistake, but that's really all he can do. I mean, you know, asking Jonathan Joseph to do anything more at this point is, I mean, pointless. So yeah. I think, I think they told you what they think the problem is. Yeah, but they're the reason that it is a problem. I mean, that's I guess that's what I keep coming back to is that the reason that Jonathan Joseph is seeing the field is because we have Mike Vrabel, who knew him in Houston, who when he was in Houston and Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator, they had one of the worst pass defenses. Then they bring over Anthony Midget, who also coached Jonathan Joseph over there. And Jonathan Joseph and Anthony Midget, you know, were on one of the worst pass defenses. It's no surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise that we bring Jonathan Joseph over with Anthony Midget and Mike Vrabel more in charge of the defense, and we have one of the worst pass defenses. It's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because remember when we hired Mike Vrabel's head coach, everybody said, well, I don't know why we'd hire Mike Vrabel. He had one of the worst pass defenses ever. Well, and now that Dean Pease is gone, we have one of the worst pass defenses ever, and it stems from Jonathan Joseph, who is their bud that they brought over because he knows, you know, Anthony Midgen, he knows Mike Frabel, knows the system, and blah, 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 blah. Well, that doesn't really help if you can't, if you can't play in the system and you can't play in the NFL really anymore. I mean, he's, he's not good. He should probably be a safety like Logan Ryan because they're the same person. He's just seven years older than Logan Ryan. I don't know. I, I listen. I am of course not calling for Mike Vrabel's job or anything. I'm not. And we've, really we've never for, done that on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not calling for anybody's job, but there has to be. It sounds to me there's a systemic issue in this defensive staff where mm. there is no coordination and communication. And this is from Kevin Byard. Now, that's not to say that you can't get it fixed. We saw the Falcons do it last year, and I understand that Joseph is still on the team. You can cut Joseph. There are legitimate free agents out there that can give you a slightly bit more than Jonathan Joseph. We got Desmond King. That's going to help. Dory Jackson is hopefully going to come back, and that will help. But they brought this on themselves. This isn't a, this is a, yes, it's a Jonathan Joseph issue, but this is a problem with our scouting department and our staff for saying, J-Rob, come bring me this guy. He will help. He has not helped. He is not good. And I want I, to see I an apology from some people on Twitter who said that he's a top 25 quarterback. And according to PFF grades, he's one of our best quarterbacks. Shut the fuck up about PFF grades and dive deeper into the stats. And you owe people apology. You do not know what you're talking about. 
these other podcasts and these other Twitter celebrity, Titan Twitter celebrities, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> Jonathan Joseph was never good. <laughs> you can see it on film. He sucks. Learn to watch film if you're going to try and talk about the Titans in a manner that is above your pay grade. <laughs> Zach. I, need to, I feel like I need to take a break and say this, this, this Zach break before he has a heart attack is brought to you by Nimutol. When you just need to blow something in your veins and chill out for a second. No, actually, I like your rant. I want to say this for Mike. It's this comment in there. I, Jonathan I'm Joseph. Try and defend the staff for hiring no, Jonathan Joseph. I'm not, I'm not no, defending no, it. Just, no, hang on. It, it is. Please go, Mike. It is not, it is not a, I, I don't think the plan was ever that Jonathan Joseph was going to start seven games for you. That was never their plan. And, and sure, you would love to hire backups that are good enough to be starters, but that is not a reality in a lot of the NFL. Um, you could say, hey, they should have brought in Prince Mukamara. Sure, yeah, that would have been better. But trying to teach you know the system to a backup, everything like that, I think they thought – they could bring in Joseph. If he has to play a game or two, he's not going to necessarily kill them. Uh, but if you have to play him seven games, yes, he's going to kill you. Well, um, the system's so not that I, hard I to figure out because the, the offenses was, know it. The, the opposing offenses know our system well, pretty well. They learned well, it in a week. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, well, the, the opposing offenses know to find 33 and throw it to, to his man. Like, that's all they've figured out. Um, but it took him a while, right? Like, I mean, at first, Jonathan Joseph was okay. Uh, the first few games before it was like pretty much exposed on film that, Hey, all you have to do is find him and throw it, throw it to his guy. Um, so I think the, the idea that if, Hey, he has to come in for a game or two or a few snaps here and there, he could have been okay. I don't, it's, it's a problem when you got the seven, seven games of him. Like that's a massive problem. And I, obviously that was never their intention. So we should say that he wasn't hired to be a starting corner. Well, Mike just kind of neutered my comment. I had this fun little joke about. That's all he does. <laughs> he neutered his face and he's neutering our jokes. He neutered my comment. I had this fun little joke about, you know, I have a lot of respect for Jonathan Joseph, but you were getting trolled by Adam Archuleta on CBS, who we have joked for years about. It's just, we always get stuck with two people, Jerome Boger on the field, throwing flags like there's nothing else to do. And Adam Archuleta in the booth, who's constantly mispronouncing names. And, and you were getting trolled by Adam Archuleta. I'm sorry, JJ. I, I respect you, man, but damn, son, you just get blown up. But Mike, Mike's point about that the plan was never to start him all those games. That's fine. Run away with it. It's fine. You made but a good point. You plan? sounded like articulate yeah. while you made it. But why is the plan to put Malcolm Butler on AJ Green all game? What is this? 20 fucking 15? It makes no yeah, actual makes sense. sense. Even we said on the podcast last week, well, this should be a good Jonathan Joseph game because you can put him on AJ Green and they basically can just go and play Parcheesi somewhere because <laughs> nobody's going to fucking care about them two off on, um, you know, old person island over there. But instead, they put Jonathan Joseph on Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and T. Higgins and all these, you know, the young, explosive wide receivers that are actually worth a damn. That is a problem to me. That is a issue with this defense. Like, it made sense. Okay, put Malcolm Butler on Chase Claypool, and it worked. Oh, Chase Claypool's tall. A.J. Green's tall. We should probably put them up. You know, like, I don't even get it. He, he, definitely, he definitely should have been on Higgins. I mean, Higgins, I thought, coming into this game was really the Bengals' 
most talented outside receiver. I think Boyd is probably their best receiver overall, but you're not going to play Joseph in the slot. Like they right. want, they want Chris Jackson in there. So I, I think putting him on Higgins made more sense all along. I don't understand why they didn't do that. Um, I don't know if they just were married to the, you know, 2017 version of AJ green when he was actually good. Um, but it's, yeah, that's baffling to me. That makes no sense. That That is a baffling coaching decision if I've ever seen one. That is probably the most baffling coaching decision I've seen so far. So I want to reference this tweet by Mike Clay, Mike Clay NFL. Turns out the Bengals did not shadow A.J. Brown with William Jackson, if only because Brown just lined up on Jackson's side on nearly every snap. It seems like the – it seems – like a pretty inexplicable mistake by Tennessee. Brown had just 24 yards in an upset loss. Um, first off, can you explain what that means, Mike, about shadowing and and where AJ lined up? And I mean, what yeah. what's the decision? Yes. So the Bengals generally, and most most teams are this way. The Bengals generally play sides with their corners. So William Jackson lines up on if you're looking at it from the offensive perspective on the left side of the field uh, and then LaShawn Sims lines up on the right side of the field. So obviously William Jackson is way better than LaShawn Sims um, and the Titans lined up Brown on the left side and basically willingly gave him the matchup against William Jackson most of the game. Now Mike Clay's tweet, I, he's a fantasy guy. So I think he's a little bit complaining about why did AJ Brown not get the numbers, but I don't really give a shit about that because Corey Davis absolutely cooked LaShawn Sims on the other side of the field. He had eight catches for 128 yards and touchdown. Um, and I don't know if you want to make the argument that AJ Brown would have cooked LaShawn Sims more than Corey Davis did. I, maybe, I don't know, but like, I, I don't know that you can really look at the results and be that upset with what the Titans did with their receivers uh, on Sunday. I mean, Corey Davis went off instead of AJ Green or AJ Brown. If you flip flop those two numbers, is everybody happy? I mean, it doesn't change the result of the game. It's it's you know the same. It's just different for fantasy. I mean, that's I, I really don't think Mike Clay's take on that matters one way or another. I, the Titans have two good receivers. Sure, Brown's better than Davis, but Davis had a great game. He absolutely destroyed. Let's not, they let's have very sense. similar and stats also so far this year too. Like Corey Davis, yeah, and that's AJ that's Brown true. Are very close in stats, and that's a good thing. Like I, to me, that's a good thing. AJ Brown's missed a couple of games, and Corey Davis filled in. And even missing a couple of games, similar stats is a good thing because that means that AJ Brown would have had better stats as your wide receiver one if he would have been able to play the full you know games. So it's good to have this wide receiver duo. I don't know if we will, but. Starting to get the little feelings that we may live to regret not enacting that fifth-year option, but, you know, you never know. All right, sticking with the offense. It is crazy how close their stats are right yeah. now, Yeah. by the way. Like, 39 targets each, 27 catches for Brown, 29 for Davis, 356 yards for Brown, 369 for Davis, five touchdowns for Brown, three for Davis. It's, like, almost identical Yeah. Um, stat lines right now, which is kind of crazy. Sticking um, with the offense, the Titans' run game seemed to be stop and start. Um, I'll, I'll just ask this. Did did the Titans get too cute on offense? Should they stuck with the run game a little longer? I, I feel that that first few drives, they got a little too cute. I mean, Derrick Henry was ro rolling. 
And Deontay Foreman only playing six snaps seems like a mistake because it seems like he was on the field a lot more than just six snaps. And when he was on the field, he looked really, really good. He was moving the ball like a dump truck at some point. But let me say this. I feel like we were moving all the way down, and then all of a sudden we got too cute. And I understand that the run-pass ratio is actually pretty even. Uh, but, you know, there are games where we should just run, and this is one of those games that it was working where we – and we when we got into that end zone where the Tannehill threw that first interception, that should have been some more Derrick Henry. I thought that was a little and, – and let me say this. That whole drive – that spelled doom to me because not only did you have that interception, which you don't really know what Tannehill was seeing, but he also checked out of, I don't know if checked out of is actually the right word, but he looked away from Khalif Raymond on that wheel route for whatever reason. And Khalif Raymond had it open. That was an easy touchdown. That's two things that let me know right there that I could probably start checking out of this game because Tannehill wasn't feeling it. And as more we went on, when the offense isn't clicking and this defense is as atrocious as it is, what they have to have 49 consecutive third down stops to even break even at this point or get to league average, Mike. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Then when it, when it's this way, this offense has to win us games. And what the fuck year are we in where we have to say, well, the offense is going to be the, the better unit and it's going to have to win us games. Cause it, we haven't been able to say that in a very, very long time. Our defense has always been the one to bell out the offense the last five years. But, yeah, I I think it got a little too cute. And I don't know if it got too cute. I just don't think we executed properly. And I think Tannehill was an, what he was a tiny bit of an issue with what he was seeing out in the field. I just don't know what he was seeing on some of these throws. Yeah, I didn't have a huge problem with what Tannehill did outside of that one drive. I thought he was okay. Um, not not his best game, but yeah, that the, the throw on the biggest problem to me on the throw is one, it's the whole throwing back over the middle while you're running, rolling out of the pocket and throwing it against your body. Like that is a that is like page one, chapter one of the don't fucking do this playbook for quarterbacks like never ever never ever do that unless you're like Patrick Mahomes and and Tannehill really good player not Patrick Mahomes um but yeah that it was a terrible decision and the thing that makes it that much worse is it was first and goal from the eight um if you're gonna make that play at least be making it on third down or or something like that where you're like you're trying to make something happen but the Titans, it, the worst case scenario there should have been you throw it away and you get second and goal from the eight yard line. You know, you maybe give it to Henry a couple times and see if he punches it in there or, or you know, get another opportunity to throw. I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it's a bad decision, especially given the the down and distance. And I do think the Titans should have probably stuck with the run uh, maybe a little bit more. It was windy conditions and everything out there. Um, and Henry, frankly, and Foreman, um, and really McNichols late too, uh, were getting basically anything that they wanted on the ground. Um, you know, they averaged like seven and a half yards per carry as a team uh, in this game and were just breaking off chunks left and right. So I, I would have liked to see them stick with it a little more. Although, I mean, the first half they had 18 runs and 13 passes. 
that's pretty pretty run heavy um so i don't know i it just felt like one of those games where when they made the turnover in the red zone which they never ever do it was that was trouble i mean because that was points off the board and then you have points off the board with the humphreys um hit before the half you have points off the board you know there's just all all everything that it was kind of a murphy's law game to me it was like everything that could go wrong did go wrong the titans were moving the ball fine um but they just didn't execute in like those critical conditions or critical situations and the Bengals did and and a lot of the go not to go back to the defense but a lot of the stuff that the Bengals did on those third downs was unbelievable plays like the catch that Higgins made on the sidelines is one of the best catches that you'll see this year um and it was great coverage uh you know not to give them not to give the coverage an excuse because they are awful um but that was great coverage and sometimes the guy just makes a play same with the Tyler Boyd catch on uh was it was it fourth and five or uh yeah he makes that that push off um which was a blatant push off and should have been called but Jackson was kind of handsy too so I I you know whatever on the refereeing that was awful we can talk about that in a minute but um Boyd pushes off and then the ball is already on him before he even sees it. Like I'm pretty sure it hit his shoulder pad and he just reacted with his hand to clamp it down. Like I have no idea how that ball was actually caught. So stuff like it's, it's one of those things. Like when, when things are going against you, it just feels like shit like that just starts to happen for the other side. And it's just, it, it was a snowball going downhill at that point. Um, I want to, I'm sorry. Wow. Completely just my brain stopped, stopped operating for a second. It's blue screen to death. Um, before we transition and talk about um, NFL trade deadline, Titans making moves uh, and other topics, I want to remind you we are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com. You can come check out us three animals um, and articles that Mike writes and Zach writes. And I do not write because I'm not a writer, but come check us out. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We would love to have you over there, especially with a premium membership, smarter analysis for smarter fans. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Um, I, before I move on to the Titans making trades, um, I did want to make a point about the officiating and bring something up that I saw on Twitter that I almost got into it with somebody and I decided ultimately not to because arguing with people on Twitter is ultimately idiotic. Um, you can be upset about the officiating and not use it as an excuse to quote unquote, that's why the Titans are losing the game. I'm, I'm beyond tired. Of, I mean, this happens in everything and every argument on Twitter is that, oh, you're using this as an excuse for why, but it is possible to be upset about a single or multiple calls and not say that that's the reason why the Titans are losing. No one thinks that the Titans lost that game because of poor officiating. And if you do, you are a single-minded idiot. It's possible to be upset about a single call. Stop specifically getting angry at people and saying, oh, you're just making excuses for this is why the Titans are playing bad. No, but the, the officiating was pretty damn terrible in that game. It, I just don't understand bad. how Humphreys can get popped like that. And by the letter of the law, that is a targeting penalty, even though the intent may not have been there. And ultimately you just move on. And then to kind of, to compound the issue while the poor man is laying on the field, the refs just kind of sneak in there and review the pass and ups and complete. I mean, it's just not, there, no couth A and B, that's a targeting penalty. And then the Titans get, and, and rightfully so, called for a targeting penalty several plays later. I just, it's, it's bullshit. 
Well, you know, if it wasn't for the helmet to helmet hit, he would have held onto the ball, except for he hit helmet to helmet and he got knocked the fuck out. And the I was worried. I was like, because the way he was laying there, and I was like, oh well, I don't know if he'll walk again. I'd be like, I was like, like I seriously thought that we because it was so bad the way his neck snapped back and then hit and his head hit the the when he got to the turf, it was so bad. And I, I, I was worried. I was like, man, this is, this is not good. I mean, I was shocked that he got up and, uh, and was standing and then was able to, you know, move everything and all that stuff. I mean, I was, I was shocked, thankful, but I was shocked, yeah. but you're right. Officiating was bad and officiating was bad in this fucking Cowboys game that I had to sit through because I had a parlay on. And then they give the Eagles a fucking, touchdown which shouldn't have been a touchdown and then the mike mccarthy purposely does a safety fuck you mike mccarthy fucking cowboys but yeah sorry the, i just had to get it, off on a tangent on bad officiating that just it was all weekend by the way i mean all sunday was bad officiating in every game it, it was it was bad officiating but the thing is like <clears throat> and my biggest beef with the officiating in the Titans Bengals game was that Sure, bad officiating is going to happen. Like, you're going to get bad calls. That That's fine. But to get, like, you would like to see the bad calls go equally against the two teams. The bad calls did not go equally against the two teams on Sunday. And, again, for the millionth time, not excusing the Titans' loss or how they played or anything like that. But the Humphreys hit, terrible. But then you see it called on Vicaro which was a less egregious version. Sure, maybe still should have been a penalty by the letter of the law, but it is, 100% cannot be a penalty if the Humphreys hit is not a penalty. Um, so you see those, and then you see like the Jonathan Joseph pass interference call. You see worse pass interference on almost every play than what, what he had. I mean, Jonathan Joseph didn't play great all game, but I don't know how else you want him to defend T. Higgins on that play in the back of the end zone. And that set up the Bengals' first touchdown. I mean, it put them first and goal on the one. Um, and then you have the holding call on Ben Jones that d- brings back a second and two first down run that would have given the Titans, I believe, first down within the red zone. Pulls them back. They uh, make an incomplete pass. That, uh, ne- the next play or something like that. Or no, is screen pass and then incomplete. Uh, and they end up having to punt. So, those are points off the board penalties or points on the board penalties for the other team. And not to mention the Jay on Brown interception at the end of the game, which they were, the Titans were in desperation mode at that point anyways, but they had at least a outside chance of making that a game. If that interception stands up, because you've got the ball with like, I think three minutes left or something like that. uh, Basically on the doorstep of the red zone, you score quick, you could probably get the ball back and at least have a chance. So all those penalties were terrible. Um, you know, I just you don't want to see it all go the same way and all be affecting the the score of the game. I mean, it, these were not small penalties; these were huge penalties. Um, so again, not saying the Titans deserved to win, just saying the officiating sucked and and it all kind of went against the Titans in this one. It felt fall into that Murphy law that you brought up. Like everything yeah, exactly. that could go wrong got wrong, and nothing helped. There was no yeah. help from anyone at all. Not our defense, not their offense, not their defense, and not the officiating. So I do want to move to the trade the Titans made to try to 
bring a ray of light to the end of this. Um, the Titans traded for cornerback uh, Desmond King from the Chargers for was it a conditional sixth round, Mike? It was uh, it was the sixth round pick that the Titans got from the Jaguars in their trade for Kamale Correa. Um, and so what what is that? You wrote a great a great article. Mike Mike's got a great article up at BroadwaySportsMedia.com right now called "Breaking Down the Titans Trade for uh, Desmond King and What It Means." for their struggling defense. So have at it. What does it mean for a defense? So I think the biggest thing is you're taking a, a weakness. You're taking one of the biggest weaknesses off the field and putting a potential strength on it. Uh, King has going back to when he was drafted in 2017. Um, he immediately got on the field for the chargers as a rookie played really well. In 2018, he made first team all pro uh, as a corner, um, had an outstanding season. He did slide back a little bit last season. Apparently, there was some sort of beef between him and the Chargers coaching staff um, that ended up leading to him being suspended at one point by the team um, internally, uh, basically got sat out for a game. And then this season the Chargers had brought in Chris Harris. So Chris Harris starts playing some of that slot corner spot. King was not happy about that. Um, He was playing a little bit of safety for him, a little bit of slot corner, that stuff like that. Um, But then once Harris got hurt, he comes back into the slot corner role and has played really well there uh, for them in recent weeks. But if you look at just the numbers from this season for slot, for slot corner snaps, which is started by PFF, Christian Fulton and Chris Jackson have combined for, 180 or 172 um, snaps in the slot. They've given up 28 catches, uh, almost 300 yards, um, and a passer rating against of like 125. Um, King has been in the slot for 117 snaps. He's only given up 10 catches uh, for 52 yards and an 82.4 passer rating against. So, King is among the league leaders in slot corner defense in basically three of the last four years. If you look at 2017, 2018, and then this year, he is among the best in any category you want to look at, whether it's passer rating against, whether it's yards allowed, whether it's yards per snap, which I think is a good metric because it kind of measures, you know, one thing that's tough to measure with cornerbacks is how often a corner's coverage is so good that the quarterback has to throw somewhere else and just doesn't target him at all because obviously he doesn't record a stat on that play. Um, so simply looking at interceptions and passes broken up is not always an accurate way to judge corners. Um, so I like to look at kind of how often they're targeted versus other players. He's not, he's very rarely targeted and that's kind of rare for a slot corner. Um, at the very least, he gives you a guy that is going to be good and run support. He's basically, I think the best way to explain it to Titans fans is he's like a young Logan Ryan, um, who's maybe a little bit better in coverage than Logan was. He does a lot of the same things though. He can blitz, he can play good and run support. He's very smart, very instinctive, uh, has good ball skills. Like he, uh, he had eight interceptions uh, in a season during his college career at Iowa and won the Thorpe award for, for doing that. He was absolutely dominant at Iowa uh, that season. So it's a really nice addition. I think he's going to be your slot corner. I mean, maybe Vrabel certainly didn't rule out him playing this Sunday against the bears. It sounds like the plan currently is to get him in the facility on Saturday 
which would theoretically let him go through a walkthrough. Um, and he's going to be in the Zoom meetings and everything all week. And it's not like he hasn't been playing or is not in physical shape to play football. So I think if they feel comfortable that he's picking things up in the Zoom meeting, he comes out in the walkthrough and kind of knows what's going on. I think you see him probably get some snaps against the Bears, which would be really nice. Um, but it's a huge upgrade in slot coverage, in my opinion. And that's not a shot at like Chris Jackson and Christian Fulton. Those guys are rookies. Um, they're getting thrown into the fire, learning a new defense and have to play way sooner than than probably anyone really wanted them to, uh, especially given how many days of practice uh, Fulton has missed due to multiple injuries now. Um, King is going to give you a, a professional player in the slot, which is a big upgrade over what they've got so far. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think it was a steal. It's more J robbery, as I like to put it, uh, coming from John Robinson, and it it was crazy. I mean, it, Mike brought up Desmond King, and then Desmond King yesterday was publicly put on the trading block yesterday morning, and then I'm thinking well, there's with so many teams interested. I don't know if you know we'll actually be involved. And then all of a sudden, Quan Alexander gets traded. And then at like two minutes later, I'm screaming yes at work while, and everybody's like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, whoop, the Titans just traded for Desmond King and it's crazy and, and all this stuff. And it's great. And I don't, and I was uh, reading something, but Adoree and Desmond King have spent the last two summers training together. So in the off season, so they've been, um, now they're in the same secondary and they know each other. So there's a little bit of kinsmanship there. This is this is shaping up to be a really good defensive backfield for the, for when it matters all barring that a Dory Jackson comes back. We need a Dory Jackson back, but once all three of these guys are back, this is better than what we had last year as a defensive backfield. As far as, as far as the cornerbacks still got to see Kevin Byard show up. Kenny Vaccaro is playing really good. I know people are really mad that, Oh, he only, uh, you can only rely on him to get on sportsman-like conducts. Chill out. Kenny Vaccaro has been pretty steady and pretty good this year. But, like, we got to get Kevin Byers head back in the game. But Adoree and Malcolm Butler starting on the outside with Desmond King in the slot is a very, very good defensive backfield. And then Christian Fulton, when he's healthy, you know, he can fill in. And then you still have Chris Jackson. At this point, when if we see Jonathan Joseph released, that's when you know that Adoree Jackson is healthy and coming back. In my mind, right now they're going to have to keep him because they because first off, Desmond King still has to go through all the. I guess he still has to go through his own COVID protocols again, which is crazy because he should be getting tested over in LA. I think that's a little bit of a flaw in the plan and the process. But eventually, when uh, all these guys get back together and are on the field at the same time. It's going to help a lot of the problems. There's still communication issues to fix. Our linebackers in the middle, John Brown and Rashawn Evans, have to get their head in the game. You know, there's a lot going on that still has to get fixed. Adoree Jackson wasn't going to fix everything. Desmond King and Adoree Jackson aren't going to fix everything, but they're going to fix a lot more together than if it was just Adoree Jackson. <laughs> They, they fix your biggest weakness. And also King is, uh, you know, say what you want about PFF grades or whatever, but 
Since 2017, King is the highest graded slot cover man in the entire NFL um, by PFF standards. So, I mean, it's it's really hard. Back up the grade. Right. Yes. And the stats do back up the grade there. Um, And the eye test backs up the grade. If you if you look at it, you know, guys that study football and how they reacted to. Uh, the King trade. I think all of their jaws hit the floor that he only got a, a six round pick back for the chargers. And frankly, it's a home run move for the Titans because they're giving up a six round pick. They already had three of those. So they, now they're down to two um, and a six round pick is virtually nothing. Um, and his contract is so cheap that it barely takes anything out of their 2021 plans, which was always the big problem with like a uh, Stefan Gilmore or any of these trades oh, for a guy still that's want on to a trade huge for contract. Stephon Gilmore, which the Patriots just announced that they want a first round pick and a player. I, t- yeah. I put on Twitter, they can take Jonathan Joseph and a six round pick and they'll take it. And then they, it. Yeah. And be happy. Be yeah. happy. Well, they won't be happy because they have Jonathan Joseph. on. <laughs> yeah. We'll give them Vic Beasley, a Mountain Dew and a honey bun. Which is a fantastic combination, by the way. Um, So I I meant to mention this before the trade because I wanted to go from negative news to positive news. I'm going from positive news to slightly negative news. Uh, The Titans managed to break their punter on Sunday. Mm. Congratulations, which drives me nuts. That that one to me hurts because of all the consistency out of the Titans. Brett Kern has always had the consistency, and we run him out there and hurt his hand. Um, How bad is the injury? Do we know how bad the injury is? I, I, I know that. The Titans have been rumored to bring in a few punters, maybe possibly including Dustin Colquitt. We'll know later this week, but um, is it looks like this injury is going to keep him out at least a week, correct? Yeah, that's the sounds of it based on what I've seen. I, I think Karski said uh, that he would be out for some time. Um, I don't think we've seen anything specific on the timeline, but if it's a hand or wrist injury, I mean, you have to think like maybe it's like a broken – something some sort of broken bone in there or a a, you know severe sprain i don't know um but either way i would guess you know short of him being out for the season i would guess it's probably a few weeks you know maybe like if it's a broken bone you know maybe like worst case scenario it's like four or five six weeks somewhere around there but you should see him back at some point this season I, i would assume based on what i've seen out there but um hard to know like specific timeline at the moment but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to bring somebody else in because uh, Tucker McCann probably isn't your uh, best option to punt, even though he's done it before. So Bears at Titans on Sunday. Uh, Bears opened up as a uh, five-and-a-half-point road underdog versus the Titans. Um, <laughs> I thought that the Titans would be rolling into this Bears game off a nice, healthy win off the Bengals. That is not the case. Um, expectations, Zach, for Titans v. Bears. Do we need to be afraid of the Bears in any capacity? Yeah, you actually have to be for right now. I mean, until the defense proves otherwise, our our Titans defense proves otherwise, you, for whatever reason, have to be scared of every offense that you come against because we're not keeping anybody off the field. And now listen, Nick Foles is not very good. But we are talking about us just facing a team that is missing five offensive linemen, and we got zero sacks. We have seven sacks on the year. I am not saying that, listen, 
Nick Foles is probably going to end up looking like Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles for whatever reason, and we may, you know, have Jonathan Joseph shadow Darnell Mooney. Who the fuck knows? Because I don't know what to make of this defense. I am, it should be an easy win, but their defense is really good, and our defense is really bad. So, to be honest with you, fuck it, I don't know. Yeah, this is this is the... <laughs> There's your analysis. Fuck it. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's what this I mean, team has done to me. Beautifully done. Well, I mean, after last week, you know, you look at the matchup and I mean, I, I said it, I was like, this is a get right game for the Titans pass rush. If I ever saw one and it was on paper, it just didn't happen. So, I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things where you can't always just look at what the, the paper says about any matchup. Like, and know what's going to happen in the game. They play the games for a reason, obviously. So, you know, I, I look at this game and it's obviously, you know, a strength on strength game. Um, you know, you've got Titans good offense versus the Bears good defense and the Titans bad defense against the Bears bad offense. I mean, the, the Bears are second to worst in the NFL in uh, third down conversion rates as an offense. So, that's a something has to give uh, scenario right there. They're also, um, you know, near the bottom of the league in scoring They're I think they're 28th in scoring uh, 29th in yards. I mean, th this offense stinks. Like it stinks. I think Mitch Trubisky, honestly, if Mitch Trubisky plays, that scares me way more than Nick Foles. I, Nick Foles is awful. Um, now, could the Titans still make him look like Joe Montana? Absolutely. It's certainly possible. Um, we've seen them do it to, to other quarterbacks, but Joe Burrow is way, way better than Nick Foles. We should say that. Like, I mean, in the, all the receivers for the Bengals, way better than, than what the Bears have, besides Allen Robinson, who's great. And someone, please, at some point in his career, give poor Allen Robinson a quarterback. Just, just one. Like, I, I, Watch this guy struggle through Blake Bortles, and then he goes to Chicago and he gets stuck with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. This guy is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he never gets to show it because he's always stuck with some terrible quarterback that he has to carry uh, to like a thousand yard season. It's unbelievable. But anyways, just yeah, put if a Dory plays, then you can play sides. But if a Dory does not play then you have to put Malcolm Butler on Allen Robinson and then like let let the chips fall where they may for everyone else. Let me clarify. I think the Titans are going to win, but is it going to be easy? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, like, nothing is easy for us unless we are playing the Bills, apparently. And then that's was super easy and stuff. And, you know, maybe this team needs, needs to get COVID or go to Montgomery Bell Academy and uh, do practices there. I don't know what is... Uh, What's the the secret formula for this defense? But yeah, if a Dory Jackson is back, that changes everything. I'm going in with it right now that Desmond King's probably not going to play this week because he's probably not going to be able to get up to speed enough. And I am looking at where you're probably going to field the same defense that we had earlier versus the the Bengals. And to be honest, I don't know if this defense can really stop anybody in its current state. Um that um, you say that uh, what they they were second worst in third down conversions. Uh, yeah, thirty first. The the Bengals were twenty fifth. 
Yeah. And they converted they converted over 60%, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this game. So, yeah. you know, throw that stat out the window because I really don't think it matters versus this historically bad defense at this point. Unless Adoree plays. It depends on who plays. I mean, if Desmond King plays, if Adoree plays, then that's a totally different looking I, group, I think but. if Desmond King plays, everybody should lower their expectations on this one, on his first game in this system, Agreed. by the way. And not base this one game on what's going to happen the next, the rest of the year with Desmond King, please. I know that's yeah, asking don't. a lot for you all not to overreact on Twitter, but just <laughs> please. I'm. It's a please. I'm asking nicely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to judge his entire Titans career based off of the first pass that gets thrown in his direction. We have certainly never judged someone's entire career on this podcast. We've never called for jobs or anything like that. Please do not listen to any of our early 2019 episodes. Uh, that is a promo for football and other efforts if you didn't like that. Um, I, I will say I would like to see the Titans um, get a win and build some damn confidence going into this Colts game because he, these these two upcoming Colts games in the you know in three weeks – um suddenly the Colts and Titans have the same overall record and you know I, I, I want to see the, the Titans build some confidence going into playing against the Colts so need a damn win against the Bears this Titans defense has got to turn something around um I do want to throw a little bit of positivity out there before we close all the podcast and just remind you the Jets are 0-8 so my dream of Adam Gase coaching throughout the entire season and getting the scarlet letter branded on his chest are looking better and better each time that the Jets continue to lose and they continue to allow this man to coach um and just your weekly reminder that the Jaguars are crap the yeah, Jaguars starting are crap. Jake Luton they're not Jake. even starting Mike Glennon who's played Jake. in the NFL they're they're skipping Mike Glennon benching a healthy Gardner Minshew and starting Jake Luton is you're, it, you're, is it Luton I don't even care your 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 starting lineup for the Jacksonville Jaguars at quarterback are um, Jake Louis Vuitton and Mike Glennon is backing him up, and Gardner Minshew is third on the bench. And I just want to throw that out there because the national media was slow jerking Gardner Minshew as the season started, and his facial hair, and his father's in the stands, and now where is he? He's third on the depth chart and marked inactive. The Jacksonville Jaguars continue to be crap. So at least bathe in that a little bit, Titans fans. It could be much, much worse if you were from that swamp that Jacksonville is. So with that little rant, we are going to wrap it up today. Zach, what is that Manscaped promo code? Broadway TN. It gives you free shipping and 20% off. Beautiful. Go check them out. Manscaped. And of course, you can check us out at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We would love to have you over there with a premium membership. You've got podcasts, you've got articles, you've got us. You have the three of us. You get to come look at us. We're going to post a picture of Mike's face on the website on the front page today. He doesn't know it yet. He's shaking his head no. He doesn't have a choice in this. He doesn't control the website. Uh, we love you all, and we want to remind you to go vote. It is election day. It is important that you don't vote. We're not telling you who to go vote for, but damn it, you have the right to vote. Go use it. I do mean that seriously. Literally, when we hang up from this podcast, I'm going to answer some more emails, and I'm going to go get in line to vote. So, Thank you all for tuning in. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. This has been Football and Other Efforts. For myself, Zach Lyons, and Michael Herndon, you have been a Broadway Sports Media production.